Welcome to Community Foundation Coffee Talks, a podcast for community foundations to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're continuing the conversation on COVID-19 concerns in donor management. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on April 15th. The main topic areas covered were the changes in fundraising and granting, communicating around those changes, and how technology can be your best friend in this time of crisis. All right, let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is our discussion moderator, Margaret Owen Spiek. Looks like we have a majority of community foundations, no surprise there, 93%. We have a few private and family foundations in the room as well as education or other funder. Um, we have a pretty even split. We have a 30% urban, 32% suburban, and 38% rural. So again, uh, very interesting. And thank you for uh, filling out these questions. It helps us understand who our audience is. So last but not least, um, heavy skew towards the Midwest and the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. So 45% of you guys are from the Midwest. 22% from the Northeast and Atlantic, and then um, fairly even split between Northwest, Southeast, and Southwest. Looks like we have four people from Ontario as well. So um, thank you, everybody, for weighing in. Really appreciate that. Okay, so I'm going to close this poll and um, give you guys a little bit of an idea of what we're looking at here. Um, I pulled out some specific questions from our last coffee talk that we didn't get to, but are covering a lot of similar um, types of content. But I'm going to be really interested in, um, for those of you who participated a couple of weeks ago, if anything has changed for you, if you've seen any new best practices or anything like that. So um, please feel free to speak up. We're going to be covering uh, fundraising, not as usual. Um, so our first questions today around the fundraising topic. Um, Donor matches, how are you guys using these? Um, other questions around communicating and leveraging your relationship with professional advisors. Is this something you're still able to do in light of COVID and in light of our uh, changed working environment for sure? Um, is anybody able to maintain a business sponsorship program during this time? Have any of you had to um, shift events or um, you know, recalibrate your donor sponsorship events in that way? Um, and then last but not least, is anyone struggling with whether it's okay to ask donors for gifts during this crisis? So um, with that in mind, I'm going to open up the floor to all of our participants. So please feel free to weigh in, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Hi, this is Patty Kramlinger. I'm the philanthropy advisor for the Mankato Area Foundation in Mankato, Minnesota. And to your first question, we've shifted a little bit uh, to maintain in maintaining our relationship with our professional advisors. We have a speaker series that we sponsor uh, locally where we invite um, accountants, financial planners, wealth bankers, and attorneys. We can't do that live anymore, so we've switched that to a Zoom-based webinar. We have a guest speaker from our local university who's going to talk about the psychology of investing. It's kind of a lighthearted look at it with thinking about long-term plans and taking a lighthearted look at, you know, what wealth really brings you. So we're trying to make things easier, a little bit lighthearted, and certainly switch things to a webinar style for now. Awesome. Thank you, Patty. I think that that's, um, I would definitely tune into something like that. And I, I love that you're providing that interesting content for everybody who's stuck at home right now. 
Um, looks like we have some other hands as well. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm one of the four or five from Ontario at the Oak Hill, Oak Hill Community Foundation. Um, so we're doing a number of things, but um, one of which, in fact, has proven quite successful, which is to reach out to some private family foundations. Um, one of the efforts in that is that we're not looking to have them come our way in a per perpetual manner. We're just trying to help leverage the contributions that we're giving out locally. Um, so we are just about to announce a $100,000 gift from a private foundation that will align with our uh, our own priorities that have been articulated. So that's been fantastic. We're also just working on a um, public campaign donor match, um, a local physician who wishes to remain anonymous is putting a challenge out to the community, um, specifically targeting professionals and those working still, saying uh, that uh, she has donated her year's salary back and uh, encouraging other professionals to do so and to align it to the priorities as we've identified. So those are some of the things we're doing. Um, awesome, Sarah. I love that. And I love that perspective from your anonymous donor. That's great. Um, thank you. Anybody else? Uh, looks like we have some more hands here. Hi there, everyone. Uh, Michael Barrett Jones from the Stonewall Community Foundation in beautiful New York City. Um, we have spent the last five or six weeks really focusing on our emergency response fund and using that to engage and encourage uh, some donor matches, both from existing uh, donor advised fund advisors and other fund partners and new people. Um, so that's the first the first wave has been doing that and really communicating very well how those dollars are directly going to serve uh, some of the communities in our in our population group um, and we are just at the point right now where we're going to take all the good work we've been doing uh, because we also know that we're missing three fundraising events including our gala uh, mm -hmm. in the next couple months and pivoting that into a yes You've made sure that we had our mask on first and we have gone out to help the community and make sure the people we serve are, need, are, are there. But now it's time to start thinking about how we can make sure we're still secure for the next round mm -hmm. uh, and pivoting into the, we need general operating support to keep our doors open too, um, as we start to, to balance those two method messages uh, moving forward into the next few weeks. Absolutely. I can see people um, starting to, depending on where their community is, starting to shift there. Um, Michael, question for you. Um, in missing your, uh, missing your fundraisers or your couple of fundraising rounds, including your gala, have you shifted to a virtual fundraising um, model? Or are you kind of taking those events and retooling them? Or are you scrapping them all together and just creating different initiatives? Uh, what we are doing right now, and of course, you know, there's still a thousand unknowns for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, we have a large, uh, large-ish, I mean, it's a $30,000 uh, workout day fundraiser that happens every May that two of our board members produce for us. That's moved to September. Okay. Uh, in, uh, which is... Uh, it would have been June 18th is now at the end of September. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with fingers crossed that both of those things can happen. What that's required, though, is a reshuffling of uh, and a very careful study of cash flow. Mm -hmm. 
And we usually do a Pride Month fundraiser in June, an mm -hmm. annual appeal style fundraiser that is now developing a longer coattail and stretching toward us now. So we are already starting to work on the uh, basic appeal to, to cover the cash flow needs over the next quarter mm -hmm. while we wait for the hopeful ticket sales and sponsorships, which, you know, we were working on plan and going, going forward as normal and things were going well. Uh, it's just most of that cash will now come in August, September rather than May and June. Mm -hmm. So shifting our year around a little bit for cash flow purposes, but yeah. not, not going virtual yet. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Calling from the Greater Toledo Community Foundation, and specifically to the last bullet, is anyone struggling uh, whether to ask donors? Uh, we are calling all our, our fund holders and checking in to see how they're doing. And initially, we were concerned that it might be misinterpreted that we were calling to solicit funds, but mm -hmm. it's become a natural conversation that we share with them um, after we ask how they're doing. They ask how we're doing, mm -hmm. and we share with them that we've established a COVID-19 response fund, mm -hmm. and many of them have, have offered to, to donate to that fund without being directly asked to donate. So it's more of a, hey, we're letting you know what we're doing here, and it kind of leads to a, well, I'd like to help with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, isn't that how a lot of the best fundraising goes? Just uh, matching people with the right needs in a natural way. That's great. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Is anybody else kind of wrestling with this question or um, have a similar or different experience to Mike? I was just going to respond to that because we um, <clears throat> were unabashed. We actually only have 8% control of discretionary funds, which in Canada just simply means we're 92% endowed and donor-directed funds. So for us to do anything annually, we need the commitment of our fund holders to direct their grants. Um, one of the very, very first things we did in our first week was we called every single one of our fund holders to let them know where we were going, what our strategies were, um, the fact that we were open for business yet closed to our doors. Um, and one of the key messages in all of that was simply saying, how are you doing? And to your point, uh, they asked a lot of us, how are we doing? Um, and similarly, what came of it was uh, a very quick, um, what do I have available? How much can mm -hmm. I grant? Where, who needs it the most? Mm -hmm. um, so we, we did some initial granting out the door just based on initial conversations. And then since then have been uh, part of a um, a regional conversation with other funders and um, medical health professionals to try to define and refine who um, who out there is are, are open and operational. How do we identify those priorities and how do we assure our fund holders when we're asking their dollars to be granted that they can go to the most meaningful and needed organizations? It's been an overwhelming success. We pushed out $400,000 last week. Um, we have another... 800,000 essentially sitting here ready to go in uh, future uh, funding, both in phase one of what we're doing now, which is the critical needs, and also in phase two, which is sort of our, our focus around recovery, which we're building behind the scenes now. So ask. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. Um, how great, $400,000 last week is incredible. Um, so um, my name is Laurel Schulman. I'm with the Triangle Community Foundation, which is in North Carolina. Um, in the first couple weeks of COVID, we did our best to lift up other 
rapid response efforts in our area. We're in a pretty urban area. There were a lot of rapid response and we didn't want to get in the way or muddy the waters. We communicated with our fund holders mostly via email at that point. Um, and we're trying to shift to figure out what was next for us. We had a big event in May that obviously has been canceled. Um, <laughs> we did not reschedule it, but this was an event that we were planning on sharing kind of big news with our own discretionary program. Uh, like some have mentioned, we are mostly donor-directed funds and don't have a lot of discretionary money to grant out. And we were going to use our May event to have a big reveal. And instead, we've done a couple things to pivot that. So for that event, we did have a number of business sponsors as well as um, what we call host committee members, which are board members or fund holders that um, want to participate in the event in a higher level. And we've been in touch with all of our sponsors to say, you know, the event is not happening. Would you consider donating the full balance of your sponsorship to the fund for the triangle, which is then going to be pivoted for COVID long-term recovery? Mm -hmm. um, and so far we've heard from two thirds of our sponsors and they've all been very excited and willing to make that decision, um, which has been great. And then we're planning on a more public or more formal announcement of our discretionary grant making program and pivoting it towards COVID long-term recovery in the, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I love that recalibrating the corporate asked or the sponsorship asked. I think that that's awesome. Thank you, Laurel. Um, any other thoughts? I also have somebody here who wants to hear more about how people are engaging professional advisors right now. So if you have additional thoughts there while we call in another hand, please raise your hand as well. Okay, hi, I just wanted to, another thought that, that popped up in there uh, and I put this mm -hmm. in the, the chat. Um, I woke up the other morning and had this thought that we haven't been getting any mail. And by not getting mail, we haven't been getting a lot of mail. It's not that mail has stopped. But we have so much in our world gone to phone calls and emails and e-solicitations. You know, we're going through our lists right now, calling all of our major donors just to check in. And I thought, why not send them a note card instead? Right now, a handwritten note card in someone's mail is novel. It's mm -hmm. new. We have an, actually an opportunity to go back to, you know, a 19th century tried and true method. Because right now, we're all stuck at home and getting something with a a stamp and a handwritten address is going to get opened. Yeah. So, yeah. Consider it an activity. <laughs> Opening your mail. That's great. Um, I love that. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts here? Uh, am I live? I don't know. Hi. Yes. <laughs> I put my hand up far too much. Um, I'm You're just going to come back to the comment about the uh, professional advisors. I haven't had any direct success, but I certainly know, what we did do was shared with a number of our um, leading financial advisors um, as well as lawyers and accountants and sharing that what this is what we're doing and if they with their clients especially those who they know to have private foundations have um, a desire to give but in a more specific and and direct way that you know, contributing through or in partnership with us and the fund would be a good uh, potential. As I said, I haven't had any results from it yet, but advisors are at that stage in life where they're looking for um, credible knowledge and um, information about what the local issues are. And certainly that's our key role. So um, 
it, it may be happening, but may not be happening via us. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, as far as how you guys are messaging your immediate needs and moving to the longer term needs, um, which a few of you guys have talked about, um, how are you guys shifting and pivoting that or communicating that while you know, there's a bunch of immediate needs now, these ramifications are going to extend to the 12, 18 month period and beyond. Um, how are you communicating that with your donors as far as directed funds now, operating funds later, um, each of those things? Does anybody else have more to share there? Hey everyone, it's Laurel again. Um, so we've been fielding a lot of calls for donors about how to show up for nonprofits who need their support. Mm-hmm. And we've been trying to give them a rubric to think about now and later. So mm-hmm. we've described to them four stages of uh, activity that they can think about where they want to plug in. The first being rapid response, which we're kind of involved in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the second phase being like provision of services beyond immediate needs, specifically technology, new technology needs that nonprofits are going to have and how to support them to adapt to those um, programming pivots. Mm -hmm. Then encouraging our donors to think about general operating support to weather the disruptions that canceled events and other things have happened. And then finally thinking about just long-term recovery. So I found in my conversations with donors that giving them a little bit of a rubric helps them not feel overwhelmed when they're trying to figure out how they want to do some of their grant making. Absolutely. It's really helpful to have some direction um, for sure. Um, Okay. Um, Well, moving on to our next conversation topic of messaging matters. Um, has anyone sent out effective communication about the CARES Act to their donors? Um, I know a lot of folks um, were thinking about it la- two weeks ago, but hadn't yet gotten to it um, and said that that was on their to-do list for the next couple of weeks. So interested in how you're communicating about this, how you're communicating about this to professional advisors in the area. Um, each of these things um, would just be interested in opening up the conversation around that. Yeah, so uh, Nick Kulik from the Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation um, in Ohio. We, uh, we were diligent in getting information out not only to our donors, but also to our professional advisors about the CARES Act. I know that I had been fielding a couple questions about what the impact's going to be with the above-the-line deduction, but also the changes in AGI. So we were we were relatively quick to get that information out um, and then just explain to people as they continue to contact us uh, their ability to take advantage of that along with supporting either our emergency fund or other nonprofits within the community. Mm -hmm. Did you get any direct response to that communication or or questions on that? Yeah, we've gotten a couple. Uh, The other thing that's opened the door on is that we also do a professional advisor seminar, but in the fall. So we're still um, sort of on the fence on if we're going to do it or not, depending on how the trending is as we get closer. Mm -hmm. But actually, I've had quite a few professional advisors actually ask that the CARES Act somehow be a part of um, that seminar at the end of the year. Yeah. I think what they're most interested in is really the, um, the AGI stuff. Mm-hmm. for this year, especially for their high net worth clients. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, especially as people start getting towards urine gipping and all of that. Um, that's great. Thank you, Nick. Um, anybody else sent, send this out and how, how did you do it? Did you do it via snail mail? Did you do it via email? Is it posted on your website? Um, each of those things. Looks like we have some more hands. Um, yes, we've been doing outreach to our professional advisors. We have a, uh, a number of what we call professional advisor councils. We cover a geographic area in Southern California, about 27,000 square miles. So we have particular regions where we have professional advisors that we work with. And um, we are actually uh, had up until very recently holding our professional advisor council meeting, obviously face to face. Now we're going to be having our first Zoom meeting. Um, and uh, we're going to try and see, we have one on May 5th and one May 12th. And we have two different attorneys presenting. One will be talking about the SECURE Act and the CARES Act, and the other one's going to be talking about the power of, of, of attorney, the issues around mm -hmm. power of attorney. However, um, just want to say, we, you know, we're experimenting with that. Um, we definitely know that going forth, Zoom is going to be a more of a primary way to communicate um, with many of our audiences um, due to travel and other questions that we have to deal with. But um, we just sent out our email two days ago, and we already gotten responses from our professional advisors wanting to participate. Also, we did, um, we did earlier, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, send out an email to all the estate planning council presidents in our two counties um, and asking them to send information out to their membership about our COVID-19 resilience fund, which they agreed to do. So that was another way for us to get our message out to professional advisors, not only through our own network, but also through the network of estate planning councils. That's great. Um, leveraging other people's areas and spheres of influence is perfect there. Okay, donor webinars. Um, we've talked about some uh, professional advisor webinars, um, but moving group conversations from in-person to, to online. I know that some people have um, leveraged that in the past couple weeks. Um, anybody have uh, things to share around what worked, what didn't? Um, whether you hit some technical difficulties or if it went swimmingly or anything like that. Has anybody uh, pulled board meetings or um, committee meetings or anything like that online? Hi, this is Kitty Friedman from Park City Community Foundation here in Utah. Um, we have done one do donor webinar with another one planned. And the first one, uh, we launched a community response fund on March 13th. Um, and we've just hit the uh, million dollar mark in that fund. And so about two weeks okay. ago, we um, updated folks on just what, our, what we were doing, where the impact was going, how grant making was working. We saw immediately after that donor webinar, um, and we did it via Zoom, uh, mm -hmm. we saw folks, um, we saw some, an increase in, in uh, gifts for folks who um, hadn't yet participated in the in what we're calling the community response fund, uh, we've done we've moved all committee meetings to Zoom and uh, we haven't yet had a board meeting. We had our first board meeting by a conference call. Uh, we we mm -hmm. weren't yet up on Zoom, but um, thus far it's working pretty well. Um, and uh, you know we were we had just had a very simple deck for our donor webinar. The next time we're planning another one that will be with. Um, uh, some uh, people from uh, the nonprofits that we've granted to to talk about the impact. So mm -hmm. that'll probably be in about another week or so um, mm -hmm. that we can share that with donors as well, sort of firsthand stories mm -hmm. of impact. 
So that's, that's how we've used it. And, and it's been really successful and a really good engagement for us. So you're saying um, that the, just like sharing the impact stories in air quotes in person um, is something that's been successful as well in that group Zoom setting, not only just social media posts or those types of things, but yep. messaging that in person. That's great, Sarah. Or sorry, Kitty, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Hi, thanks for that shout out. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was looking at your hand raised um, <laughs> while Kitty was talking. <laughs> and we did spend a whole week together last week, Margaret. I so, know, you know, I know. <laughs> um, so, in fact, it's interesting. So, we all of our committee meetings have gone to uh, to Zoom. We've been testing it out with our staff and making all kinds of fun polls just to see what would work um, because we're one of those charities that still has to hold an actual AGM annual meeting so that's uh must be completed by the end of may so we we're just trying to figure that all out um things that we are doing in fact is is using zoom as a couple of different opportunities and then sharing that more broadly we're just in the process of doing three interviews with three uh of the sort of major charities that are doing so much leadership work right now um, and the key questions that we're asking them that we'll do in zoom and then host publicly is sort of what are their pain points the things that we don't see mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> we want to then send that out to everyone who has contributed to the fund and then more broadly to those in, as part of our appeal steps that we're just doing right now just sort of we've just sent two two communiques saying this is a fund open and trying to solicit people to donate to the fund um, who are prior donors. We don't have a ton of donors in, of history. So, um, so that's something we're doing. And I'm also um, hosting, uh, I have a women's giving collective and uh, it only got formed two years ago. So it's still, still new, um, but we're actually doing a cocktail party. And so it's just going to be a fun night for the ladies. Always have to have wine involved. Uh -huh. um, it's a, and it's an opportunity for them to directly connect with the charity that we supported last year as the first grant recipient to hear from them. And they, that person can be there as part of the charity. And we're also trying to... Um, uh, find out from the ladies what their specific skill sets are, areas that they have of interest and that might be shared with one or more of the charities that are in um, desperate need of some support and resilience and um, services. So, so we're using Zoom a lot. In fact, it's the only platform. Um, some of it's recorded sessions and some of it are live sessions. And uh, mm -hmm. I'll know in a week. Call me then. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. Um, Really appreciate that, and I love the the virtual happy hour as far as getting people connected. Another another activity for people to do while sheltering in place. Um, appreciate that. Um, so, in light of you know Zoom and sharing success stories live, is anybody um, like sharing or sending little recorded video snippets to people? We had some commentary about that. Um, last week as far as sending thank yous or success stories and using that as kind of an email marketing um, platform. Um, oop, looks like we have a hand. Hi, Sam Mueller from Park City Community Foundation. Um, we haven't um, sent them really quite via email yet, but um, we asked all of the nonprofits that have received grants um, for our community response fund to put together just a quick, super informal iPhone recorded um, 
one minute type video of um, kind of what they're seeing and where the funds might be going to. Um, and we've posted those just little Vimeo videos um, on our website. Mm. And so we've been just linking um, or sending that link to donors. Um, it was definitely in our last newsletter as well. Um, but then folks can kind of scroll down and pick and choose. I think we have um, seven or eight videos and they can watch them all or pick and choose one or two that they might be interested in. Um, and it's, it's just, um, it, it seems to be a nice way for um, folks to kind of check in, I guess, on a nonprofit that is super busy and, and in the weeds right now. Um, and again, nothing fancy, no, no high production value there, but um, a really great way to, to check in. Yeah, I feel like you capture some some pretty great things in those types of videos, some very human moments as far as people just, um, you know, one-off capturing what they're talking about. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. Yeah, we also did um, have our executive director um, create one first mm. um, to hopefully make it a little less um, intimidating for the nonprofit. Uh -huh. And it, um, when that newsletter went out, it had like some of our highest click rate um, on all of our newsletters in recent months um, and definitely a, a decent jump in donations um, after that newsletter went out. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. looks like we have some other hands as well. Hi, um, Carla Mudholtz. I'm with the Community Foundation of North Central Wisconsin, so uh, really uh, in the middle of the state here in Wausau. And um, we also, uh, our marketing um, staff has done a really good job uh, talking about the videos because, of course, we're one of the organizations that put together a fund. We raised over um, 300000 uh, for our COVID uh, relief fund, so we're proud of that. But we've really made the decision to keep the focus on where the money is going and, um, and keep all the media focused on those stories and the impact, much like others are doing. Um, but the videos have been really powerful. So similar to what others have said, uh, where the, we you know, have the um, organizations receiving the grant money um, are doing their own little video, and it's really providing a snapshot behind the scenes of, of you know, the impact. And one of them, uh, there were many that have been really well done, but there was one in particular that was really um, impactful because it was, um, some funding went obviously to our uh, YMCA um, because of them providing childcare and they've made accommodations um, there to take on even more um, because of providing that for essential workers. And they mm -hmm. put together an adorable video where they took all of the, the young kids that are in daycare, I mean, very little and, and up, and they had them dressed up as essential workers. So it was quite priceless. I mean, it was, and they had little thank you signs and um, they were dressed up as doctors and little stethoscopes and construction workers. And it was just the cutest video. So it was a nice way to tie all pieces together, the, the dollars, the, the kids, the, or, the nonprofit organization, and then a thank you to the essential workers. So again, creativity. And, and um, I think those are things people are looking for right now. So um, I think those are really important. Absolutely. And just a, a, a little happy light. I love that. Thank you, Carla. Um, looks like we have some other hands as well. We do. Jennifer Bramley. I've taken you off of mute, Jennifer. Hi, I'm with the Peninsula Community Foundation of Virginia, and um, we are 
we have every year we host a online giving day called Give Local 757, and it's a virtual event um, that's happening in May. But thankfully, one of our sponsors is a local TV network, and they have actually been talking. We've opened up the donation site to do to take donations now um, due to the pandemic. And thankfully, the TV station has done commercials. They've had um, nonprofits submit videos, um, like 30-second videos, and they've been sharing them um, on all their social media, on TV, and everything, just to get the word out and get everyone to um, go ahead and start donating now. That's great. Um, I love the nonprofit sharing videos. Um, Wonderful, thank you. Um, any other thoughts in this area? Um, we had a few attendees last week who weren't quite receiving the responses that they expected or more of a delayed response. Um, is anybody uh, experiencing that type of situation as far as sending out communications and not receiving what you would expect back or having to pivot your communications to see if anything is different? Anyone? Okay. Well, we can move on to the next topic. That um, technology is your best friend. Um, all of us are becoming more intimately acquainted with technology uh, than we ever have been before in this area. Um, I'd love for people to share some best practices as far as um, things that are really working for them. Whether it's a you know that um, kind of short Vimeo video platform, whether um, you know it's a Zoom or a group meeting platform, if it's um, finding funders, directing people. The volunteer opportunities, what um, have people been using that's either new or is a tried and true method for you guys? Hi again. Um, so we, in fact, it was um, for, um, foresight more so than anything else. We had planned to move all of our contributions and methods of paying charities. Um, we, we generate checks, like so many checks in the year. Um, and so part of our finance team was to, by the fall of 2020, convert us into electronic fund transfer methods um, with COVID. Uh, and in fact, we ourselves found out that we weren't receiving Canada Post. They'd stopped delivering to our offices, mm -hmm. which is kind of a bit challenging. It's, re it's been restarted. But um, so we recognize that a lot of charities similarly may be finding mail coming slowly. Uh, if there's nobody even in their buildings, how are they collecting, depositing? Um, and so we did rapid fire in three weeks, moved our systems from uh, paper trail uh, printed checks to electronic fund transfers. It's been quite a learning experience. Um, not the easiest perhaps, but uh, certainly a great learning experience. Um, we can't say enough about being on Fondant's platform. It has certainly enabled an enormity of uh, quick transfers, quick grantings, fluidity of being able to share um, and, and get monies out the door to charities. So uh, kudos to you guys. Um, but the EFT, in fact, has been a game changer, not just from the charity side, but in fact, when we talk to our donors and let them know um, as dollars are coming in that we can get it out within days, um, they're absolutely you know, overwhelmed. Uh, they, they think that's amazing. So uh, that's become a new technological advancement. Um, that's great. Um, I wasn't even thinking along those lines as far as getting money out the door, but um, you're very right and potentially even the most important um, 
Thank you, Sarah. Um, any other thoughts there for um, how people um, are using technology in a different way? Um, I know that there's different resources out there for um, people who want to post mul multiple social media posts on different platforms at the same time for your marketing teams out there. Um, how are you keeping your teams um, on track um, as far as different tasks, not duplicating efforts? Um, how are you keeping connected with your team? Does anybody have good things to share there? Yes, uh, one thing that we've done, uh, somebody in our office took it upon themselves to be the person that's going to kind of get everybody together every Friday, and she does it virtually. So one time she asked for all of us to send uh, photos of our prom pictures in, and she posted <laughs> them. And then another time she had uh, a little uncaptioned meme, and she, she challenged us to come up with a meme, and she's been giving out like little $10 gift cards. Uh, Amazon gift cards to the people uh, that, that get it best. But the prom pictures really uh, resonated <laughs> with everyone and everybody got a, quite a chuckle, depending on what decade you were in. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, we actually have something fairly similar going on on our team, which is called um, a virtual scavenger hunt where um, a team member of ours just posts a question um, and people are sending in pictures. The most recent one was your senior photo, but things like, you know, your favorite mug or a favorite recipe and people are kind of sending in different pictures there. So a fun way to light, lighten everybody's load right now. So thank you for sharing that. Um, looks like we have Sarah again. Thank you. Awesome. I was going to share two two fun things. So we uh -huh. have a we have Slack and we're using it operationally for our team. Um, and so every day we post lunch pics so that mm. we are virtually having lunch together, um, which has been fun. And then on Thursday of last week, um, we actually ordered and and delivered to to everybody's home a beautiful orchid. And now we have to post weekly the condition and the state of affairs with an orchid. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and, some, and, and in some cases, people are, like mine is posted with my little minion man. So, uh, uh -huh. so you know, wherever in the house, and he's got the accompaniment of his minion. Um, <clears throat> so we're having fun with that. And, uh, and just generally sharing, using Slack is a wonderful exchange of what, what everybody's up to. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. My orchid would be dead so fast. <laughs> 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 oh, mine's, mine's only five days old. I've got time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I love that. Um, anybody else have things to share that you're doing with your team? Um, we do just a team check-in every morning at 9 a.m. Um, and it's pretty, you know, operations focused. Um, but we've started in the past few weeks doing a happy hour on Zoom um, at four around four o'clock on Friday afternoon. Um, so it's, you know, BYOB and we've started doing different themes. Um, we did like fun hats and um, sporting sports was our last theme. And we had to talk about something in our sports history, a fun, a fun win or a fun, funny flub or something like that. And um, this week's upcoming, um, happy hour is um, two truths and a lie. So we might be learning some fun things about each other. Perfect. I love the themed, I love the themed happy hour. That's great. <laughs> um, one other hand. Hi everyone. I'm Ellie Grogan with Community Foundation Sonoma County in Northern California. Um, we also, we do weekly team check-ins. And so we also started a, a theme 
um, and we did hats was really fun. Um, and then we also had one where we could introduce someone or something that was important to us. And, you know, that was fun because people with their young kids would come in and the kids would just be, you know, ridiculously uh, silly. Um, or people would show pictures or, you know, their puppy or that kind of thing. And so it just, you know, it was a nice humanizing, right, of seeing what, every, mm-hmm. what everyone is uh, going through at home. Um, and oh, we did something else, but I'm, <laughs> I'm forgetting what it was right now. Um, but yeah, the, the weekly check-ins with kind of making it light has been a lot of fun. Um, wonderful. Thank you. Um, I think that's great as well. Um, okay. Um, all right. Last but not least, um, these are some questions that came directly out of the last coffee talk. Um, and so wanted to throw these back out here as well. Um, how are people leveraging government grants to help their communities um, employ hardship funds? Is it anybody engaging in this? Um, and then any other successful practices for partnerships with local organizations? So I um, wanted to throw this topic back out to the group if anybody has um, commentary here as well. I know that we're coming up on the top of the hour, so we can also continue this in the next one. Um, but uh, let's see what kind of conversation we have going here. This is Patty Kramlinger. I'm with the Mankato Area Foundation in Mankato, Minnesota. We're about an hour southwest out of Minneapolis. For the last four weeks, uh, what we did uh, quite uh, right away is to partner with United Way in Mankato, and we solicited large asks uh, from our healthcare community and some of the larger manufacturers, and then at the same time solicited funds uh, from our donor advised funds. We partnered up with United Way right away and have used that partnership to kind of leverage our success around the greater Mankato area, whether it's radio interviews or television interviews, with weekly communications on the grants we've submitted uh, on our, whether it's on the radio or the newspapers or our website or, or their website. So that collaboration has worked out kind of famously because sometimes we're seen as competing, although we're not, mm-hmm. but people get that impression. So it's gone very, very well. That's, uh, that's actually a really great point as far as using that partnership to break down some of those um, old perceptions or barriers um, in a time like this because everybody's just focusing on efficiencies, right? Um, I think that's great. Thank you. Other hands. We have been working with a number of nonprofits, including United Way, but we've also been focused on some of the needs of the nonprofits now, as we mentioned, also in the recovery aspect of it. And so over the last couple of years, we've um, developed a capacity building project here, and we've brought together different organizations that are considered capacity builders or backbone organizations to work together. These different community collaboratives, United Way, we're also working with our two local universities, University of California Riverside, Cal State San Bernardino, to really look at ways that we can put funding to support the nonprofits in capacity building. And so we've been able to raise through our Funders Alliance about $900,000, which we just gave out our first $600,000 to specific nonprofits that are at the front lines um, mm-hmm. in this COVID-19 situation here in Southern California. But it's really just bringing some of the key backbone and capacity building groups together to really coordinate how we're going to help ensure those most critical nonprofits survive through this crisis. Wonderful. Thank you. 
It's um, great. Um, some other hands. I'm Jennifer Smith for the Community Foundation of Northern Illinois. We're located in Rockford, Illinois. Um, and similar to the last two respondents, we've been partnering with our local United Way as well as some other um, capacity building and community organizing groups. Um, and the thing that is really made me most excited about that is not just that we're sort of leveraging our unique um, our unique touches in the community uh, for emergency response right now, but also starting to look to the future. What does recovery and resilience and stabilization look like? Um, and teeing up a plan for that, um, not just for a COVID res response, but really trying to think like for future disasters, hopefully there won't be any soon, but like for yeah. the future that we are um, working so much better together now that that makes me, that actually brings me a lot of hope about the future that we will be more prepared um, for future challenges uh, together. So that's been really great. Wonderful. Thank you. I love the idea of focusing on capturing the best practices for, for working on those partnerships um, to just continue to streamline those efforts because um, you don't necessarily do that in times with a little bit less urgency. So I think that that's really smart, um, something to take away from this for sure. Um, anybody else with um, other thoughts or questions here? As I mentioned earlier, um, we're working with a collaborative in our two counties. And one of the things that we did is on our website for COVID-19 fund to help us identify some of the needs in the nonprofit sector by the MPOs themselves, we put together a questionnaire mm -hmm. for them to identify what are some of the challenges and needs that they have. And to date, we've gotten over 150 responses to that questionnaire. And based on those responses, then we will determine where our next round of funding will go. Mm -hmm. It just another way for us to connect and get more up-to-date um, information about what really what some of the biggest challenges that our sector is, is faced because we have over 12,000 nonprofits in our two counties. Great. Thank you. Um, really appreciate that. Um, okay. So, um, Thank you so much for um, all of your wonderful participation. Um, hang in there. We're thinking about you. Reach out to us if you need anything. And um, thank you so much for joining. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 